I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. All right, welcome back. And if you're new, hey, boo. So, you know, I love, 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 love having our family on this show. You know, we meet in cousins all the time to share their life experiences with you and what they're doing to just blaze a trail in every endeavor. Really, really excited to have Richard Reyes with us today. He's the founder and executive director of the Plus Me Project. I'm going to let him tell you all about it, of course. So I'm going to shut up now and say, hey, Richard, what's up? Hey, how you doing? I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. So excited to have you here. And in case y'all want to know how did y'all meet Clubhouse, I was telling y'all Clubhouse is where it was, well, where it's still where it is. But <laughs> Richard is, you know, really dope, like a very incredible person. His work just moves me. I learned his story and I was like, oh, wow. But Richard, will you tell us who you are and tell us your story? Yeah, happy to. So my name is Richard. I am from Los Angeles on the West Coast. As you mentioned, I'm the founder and executive director of the Plus Me Project. And uh, really my story is, you know, I'm a first generation college student from LA. Uh, Growing up, didn't have access to individuals that, you know, went to college, had that experience. And I really felt like I was lacking that. I didn't have those relatable role models that I can turn to. And honestly, just felt lost throughout most of high school and into college. As I was trying to get my degree, I realized I just had gone through a lot of different types of struggles that some people went through, but also a lot of people hadn't gone through. And there was a moment in my college experience where I just realized, wow, like I have a story. This story can maybe inspire others. Hmm. So really what I did was I just took my story out on the road to different middle schools and high schools and really wanted to be that relatable role model, wanted to tell students that hey, look, I'm like you. I did it. You can follow in my footsteps. And that was just kind of a seed that started this organization almost eight years ago, the Plus Me Project. We believe everyone has a story that matters. And our work really centers on empowering middle and high school youth to build confidence through the art of storytelling. So we use the personal narrative at the heart of everything that we do. And we get to bring relatable role models into classrooms every week to inspire youth to build their confidence as they try to pursue their college career and life goals. Hmm. Why middle school? Because that's a tough age. That's a tough age. It is a tough age. Yeah. So when I started sharing my story when I was in college, I just was focusing on visiting middle and high school youth. Okay. I felt like as a middle school student, I was not only completely lost, but I was scared. I was intimidated. I didn't know how to articulate my emotions. And I felt like, wow, if we can bring more individuals at an earlier age, right, to get them more aware of these different types of stories, showcasing vulnerability, getting them to become aware of the different opportunities that are out there through other individual stories, it might be able to plant that seed earlier in life and get them to really think differently as opposed to just in high school as they're getting ready to potentially transition out into college or career paths. 
And I asked that, you know, specific, specifically because I know that you started there, but a lot of people start in one place and don't end up there. So they go somewhere else. And you're one of the few that I've heard who started in a space and stayed. Yeah. And there are so a lot of people who, you know, unfortunately, in my opinion, don't really put a lot of emphasis on the youth and preparing them for college. But like you said, it starts early. You have to see it. You have to know it. It has to be familiar. So I appreciate you for being able to dominate in that space and find value in that space because I don't think there are enough people doing it, especially not enough people who are males and males of color mm-hmm. in positions where they can be the role models and again, help be who they needed. I fell in love with college students and then I fell in love with grad students. And But for me, it was just, again, like I said, a natural fit. So I love that. Yeah. That's really cool. So curious to know from you, because you've had, again, some really interesting life experiences, even just with starting a nonprofit that's been a venture in itself. But we'll get back to that. But before you graduated from college, what are some things looking back that you wish that you knew before you got that degree and went on about your business? Yeah, I think one thing that I really needed to understand is that it's so important to ask for help outside of school. So something I got really good at was asking for help academically while in college. You know, I was a student in middle school and high school that did not ask for help. My grades showcased that. And it ultimately didn't allow me to be competitive to enter a four-year college out of high school. So I took the community college path. But while in community college, I realized I needed to be a better student. I was paying for college. I needed to make sure my grades reflected, you know, who not only deep down I knew I was, but what I wanted to be. So I started going to office hours. I went to the tutoring center. I really became great at asking for help with my academics. And I became an outstanding scholar in college. However, outside of school, while in college, I was not good at asking for help. And I really needed to learn and understand that help comes not only from the academic side, but you need help in all aspects of your life. Yes, yes. And the turning point for me actually came in 2017. So I I launched Plus Me Project in 2013. I then got my master's in 2015. And right around 2016 is when I committed full time to this work uh, from literally zero. Like I knew nothing about the nonprofit space. I bought nonprofit for dummies to start this organization. So I was simply overwhelmed. I was doing my best to grow an org with really very little support or knowledge or insight. And it was overtaking me. So it was going to be New Year's of 2017. My best friend was getting married in Cabo. So I was like, I need a vacation. I am going. So a couple of days before New Year's, I flew down to Cabo and I got to the resort. I got my room and I went right to lunch and I got a soup to kind of start off this meal. And the moment I put the spoon in my mouth, I just felt like the right side of my face started to tingle. And I was like, oh my goodness, am I allergic to something? Like what is going on? I kind of let it pass. I went through the day and I woke up on New Year's Eve with half my face paralyzed. I had what? those Bell's palsy, which is where you lose control of your nerve and muscle on one side of your face. Mm. And it was just this, you know, horrible wake up call for me where, you know, the reason for it, they don't know. They say it could be stress induced. It could have been a nerve. But at the end of the day, I felt like it was stress induced. And I was so stressed and overwhelmed by what I was trying to do that it just came out on, you know, physically in my face. And, you know, as a speaker, as a storyteller, someone who's entering schools, it affected my work for almost two months because, you know, half of my mouth 
literally could not move because I couldn't control the nerves or the muscles. So that was the moment where I realized, you know, yes, I'm doing this great work. I want to continue blazing it forward, but I need help. I need to learn how to ask for support, not only with growing the organization by finding mentors and individuals who can help me expand it, but also, you know, I needed to start mentally getting better. I needed to see a therapist. I really needed to find individuals, you know, in my personal life that could just help me take my mind off work and balance that life out. So that was something that I really learned that I wish I also was more mindful of while in college. Definitely appreciate you for sharing that because how we handle stress in college, especially being the first and having to carry all the things, right? All the responsibilities, all the the legacy and the promise and the family, all the things that aren't even so obvious to people and how it shows up and just trying to be great. So thank you for having even acknowledged that you needed to make that change because sometimes I know that that can be, you know, difficult for us. Yeah. So thinking about even difficulties, (laughs) (laughs) since you've been, you know, on your own, you know, being a grown man and all, What are some of the major life lessons you have learned in adulthood? Yeah, I think, you know, the major life lessons that I've learned, I connected back to the work that I'm doing. You know, I think self-reflection and really being able to find or even rediscover your story in an authentic way is something that is so important. Mm. You know, our stories not only help us get into college with the personal statement or help us find a job, you know, with job interviews, but our stories define who we are, you know, and and as we're building our community, as we're surrounding ourselves with people that, you know, uplift us, as we're just really advancing, hopefully our passions, the more that we know who we are, the happier I personally feel that we become. Mm. And a lot of times in life, we're on autopilot. We're trying to reach the next big goal, which is wonderful. But I personally feel not enough of us pause and stop and reflect on where we've been, where we are, and where we're trying to go um, through our story. And that's something that I am dedicated to through the work at the Plus Me Project. But it's something that I personally do all the time now uh, through journaling, through really just being able to share different moments of my life with other people. It not only makes me proud because I'm able to truly understand what I've overcome, but it also allows me to really be in tune and in touch with what makes me me, you know, and it allows me to live my life being authentic, really being able to showcase vulnerability because, you know, it's hard to really dig deep into our personal stories and talk about things that maybe a lot of people don't talk about. But the more often you do it, the more comfortable you get. And by doing that, you're able to serve as a role model to others. You're able to help others be vulnerable with themselves. And I think that that's just something that that I've learned, you know, as an adult, that's so important. And it's something that I'm really trying to get other people to, to stop, reflect and do for themselves. Mm, I love that. Mm, that's really, really good. And the self-awareness, is it something that you just kind of You've always been that way or did somebody kind of put that in front of you to really think and to reflect and to be intentional? Yeah, you know, I think at at Oxy, so I went to Occidental College, that's where I transferred and got my undergrad from. And there was a moment at Oxy. So I mentioned I was a transfer student. I actually transferred in the spring semester. So I Hmm. tried to get into Oxy in the fall. I got rejected, but I reapplied and I entered in the spring. So, you know, if you're joining a college during the spring semester in January, you know, they're just going into a new semester. They don't understand that there are new students coming to this campus. So (laughs) I was one of 10 new students on this entire campus. 
I also chose to still live at home because I lived about five minutes away from my college and I wanted to save the money from the room and board. So I didn't have any connections there. So I was just this introverted, shy kid at the college of my dreams, having no idea really how to go about the college life in in a four-year environment. So I went through my motions, going to classes, going home. And then finally, a couple weeks in, I got to one of my classes early, sat down. A couple girls walked in a few minutes later. They're talking to each other. I'm sitting alone. And then one girl turns to me and she's like, who are you? We know everyone here at this school. Like, how come we don't know who you are? And I just turned to her and I said, oh, hey, you know, I'm Richard. I actually grew up in the community down the street, but I didn't do well in high school. So I took the community college path. And actually, while in community college, I did really well, but my lung collapsed three times last semester. And I tried to apply and get in, but I got rejected. But like, I'm a new student. I'm a critical theory social justice major. You know, nice to meet you. And I remember the two girls looked at each other and then they turned. They're like, that's such a cool story, dude. Like, wow, you know, I'm so-and-so. And just hearing those girls say that, like, that's such a cool story. It's really when it got me to understand, like, wow, like maybe I do have a story. And that's where the self-reflection started. I remember I went home that night and I just started writing down, like, what have I been through? You know, what are those obstacles I've gone through? And I realized, wow, some of those obstacles are unique to me because not a lot of people have had spontaneous pneumothorax where their lung has collapsed three times within a month, you know? Mm. Mm. But then I also realized, like, wow, there are a lot of people that have tried to get into a college and have been rejected and then reapplied and got in, you know? So... It was just moments where I stopped to really understand all of the experiences that brought me to where I was in that moment and wanted to continue to do that, wanted to continue to find my story, articulate my story. And then when I was comfortable sharing it, I wanted to get in front of others and share that journey so that it can connect with others, help others realize they're not alone and also inspire others to realize that they can do it too. Mm, We just can't gloss over you saying that your lung collapsed three times in a month. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, just... I, I get it too. And it's so what? funny, you know, because I, I know, I, I, you know, I've shared my story thousands of times. You know, Plus Me Project has impacted over 100,000 students throughout Southern California. I started yes. sharing my story in 2010. So it's 11 years of, you know, it's just part of who I am. So I say it like it's nothing. But yeah, like my lung collapsed three times. It was spontaneous pneumothorax. Basically, I was born with blebs on my lung, which are thin pockets of tissue. They're very common. A lot of actually boys are born with them. Doctors can give you x-rays. They don't really pay attention to them. However, they say the chances are around one in a million where that bleb, that thin pocket of tissue, will form a hole causing your lung to collapse. So it happened once. I had a procedure where they put a chest tube in my side and it kind of reinflated the lung. A month later, it happened again. They did the same procedure and then it happened a third time. So I had to get a major procedure done. And I was, you know, 19 at the time in community college. It was it was life changing for me. And it really changed my mindset of what life is. You know, I was a perfectly healthy 19 year old man. And the next day I'm in the hospital with a chest tube coming out of my chest, you know, and it's just it it, it changed a lot. But, yeah, it, it was something that redefined who I was. And, and it, if anything, it it really motivated me because the third time it happened, I actually missed almost a month of my classes at the community college. And I still remember when I went back to my professors, you know, they were glad that I was back and they were so happy I was healthy, but they were like, Richard, you've missed almost a month of class. Like you're not going to be able to make up all of this work and pass them realistically. Like you should just withdraw and restart next semester. But there was something in me that was just like, if I withdraw, I'm going to be more behind. I'm not going to be able to get the money back that I paid. Like, no, I'm going to do this. And I just strived for that next month, making up 
you know, assignment after assignment, test after test. And at the end of the year, I, I maintained that 4.0 GPA. And that, that's just really where I realized, wow. like, I'm capable, I'm powerful, I can do this. But then again, that was the moment where I applied to Occidental College as my dream school and got rejected. So it was another like, well, maybe not, you know? Life is going to continue to throw you curveballs, but you just got to find a way to, you know, resiliently get past it. Absolutely. So I'm la- I was laughing when you said, I'm going to finish this because I don't pay my money because, you know, we don't pay about our money. <laughs> you know, it's first gen out here, especially when we come from the come background. I ain't about to waste this money, no exactly. man. Exactly. So, like, so you got right to it. And, you know, because we understand that every dollar that we invest truly, you know, shapes our lives and it can be money spent for something else. So thank you for honoring that and yes. to have bounced back with the 4.0. Like, from, you know, chest tube to 4.0, like, come on, seriously? <laughs> How dare you charge me to have no excuses in life? Like, <laughs> I can't argue with that. Like, you cannot be lazy. Do you see what Richard did? Wow. <laughs> but seriously, that's a story because some people just would have just, you know, fell into the woe is me, right? Yeah. And they would have just been like, well, whatever, it's over. There's no hope. But you you don't play games. You're just, even at 19, you were like, no, we're going to make this work. I, I am so fascinated. And then thinking you've been able to share this story over and over. And you mentioned that you, you know, served over 100,000 and actually I think over 150,000 students across the country, right? Yeah. So just, I mean, so from the long to the school to the college and reflection, at what point though for you did you realize entrepreneurship was going to be a part of the path? Because I know like you started nonprofit and people don't see nonprofit as entrepreneurship. That's what I sometimes Mm -hmm. don't like because you're not making money. But I'm like, no, 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 that's Mm -hmm. business. Remember, or profit, non-profit, but profit is still in there somewhere. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so what was it for you? Because I don't imagine with your background that you were just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to be an entrepreneur with this. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where that kicked off was so after I had that, those girls shared, you have a great story. I went home, I wrote my story. It was my senior year at Oxy and I was only going to classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I was going to have a lot of time off. And I, that was the moment where I said, I'm either going to find a part-time job or I'm going to do something else. And my spirit said, do something else, which was to oh. share my story with middle and high school students. So I remember I, I wanted to set a goal for myself. Like how many kids can I share my story with throughout my senior year? And I was like, a thousand kids will be good. And I was like, no, push yourself, 5,000. I said, no, let's go for 10,000. So I created the 10,000 plus project, which was just a personal project of mine where I said, throughout my senior year of college, I want to try to inspire 10,000 or more students with my personal story. So I remember I wrote an email. Hi, my name is Richard Reyes. I'm a senior at Occidental College. Can I please share my story with your students? And I literally would just email hundreds and hundreds of high schools and middle schools and teachers and counselors throughout Los Angeles. And I remember the first month, probably like five schools got back to me. Two of them let me in, right? But ultimately what happened was I ended up going to 77 schools and spoke to 13,000 students my senior year at Occidental College. And I wasn't getting paid for it. I was doing it not for college credit. I was just doing it because I felt like that was, well, that's what my calling was. And I loved it. I got better at public speaking. The students were inspired. I created a movement here in Los Angeles. But when I graduated from Occidental College, it was time to find a job, right? So I was lucky enough to get a job right out of college. I was making a pretty good salary working at a for-profit educational institution. And a few months in, my soul was just being crushed. Like I didn't believe in their values. I didn't agree with what they were doing. And there were a couple of teachers that had emailed me like, come back, share your story. We have a new group of students. Like, you're so great. They'd love to hear from you. And I remember the moment I went into one of those classrooms and shared my story, I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. 
So at first I said, okay, I'm going to become a motivational speaker. Like I'm going to make a lot of money doing that. And that's really what I wanted to do. So I began researching motivational speakers and this is no disrespect to them at all. But what I found was as I was researching the top motivational speakers across the country, and I was looking at all of their websites where they showcase the schools that they go to, none of the schools that I was familiar with or that I came from were on these lists. And I was like, mm. why are they not going to all the schools in LAUSD? Like these kids need these motivational speakers. And then I realized, you know, most of the time they're not going to those schools because there is often a hefty fee that's attached. And these schools often cannot afford to pay large fees for these motivational speakers. And I thought to myself, well, that's why I didn't have any guest speakers come into my school growing up. So I said, the only way I'm going to fix that gap is if I start a nonprofit. And at that time, I was part of the population that said nonprofit equals no money. So I know nothing about it, which is why I bought Nonprofit for Dummies. And I went through the 13 steps. And in 2013, I launched it with really no knowledge of anything. And, you know, almost eight years later now, we're almost a staff of 10 impacting over 15,000 kids a year. We have a full program model that brings storytelling curriculum into schools. We're now doing it all virtually. Uh, We have a budget. It's going to be close to half a million soon. Like we're growing and we're doing great work in the community. And the journey I've been on has been a remarkable one. So no, entrepreneurship was not a thing I wanted to do, but I'm so glad I took that path. So for those of you who are thinking about going to into entrepreneurship, follow the spirit. <laughs> because who would have thought? Richard was like, nine to five, follow the spirit. Right. <laughs> Part-time, follow the spirit. <laughs> and look at you now. But like, you know, you have to. And I know it's such a... a intangible thing to say follow the spirit what does that mean but it's really trusting what's inside of you and knowing that whatever you're feeling led to you have to honor that because similarly when I left my job about six years ago now I had no idea this was going to be the situation for me and entrepreneurship was not on the list I was literally just taking off to gather myself and I was going to go back and, you know, go back refreshed and anew. And about three months out, I was like, uh-uh, we're not doing that. <laughs> Let me try my hand at this thing. And for me, it's similar. It started with motivational speaking and just wanted to do that. But as the years had gone by, realized, wait a minute, this entrepreneur thing is really what this is. And started mm-hmm. to reframe my whole thinking about it. But I tell people now, you would have to be talking something real nice to try to get me to go back um, <laughs> anywhere because... While there is great responsibility in being an entrepreneur, there's this great freedom and creativity that you just can't get anywhere else. You can't create this anywhere else. And so you got skin in the game, but man, because you followed the spirit, I'm just, amen. (laughs) I love it. It worked out. Then to be nonprofit and still here because we know it's tough to nonprofit. And there's a lot of red tape. And especially when stuff like COVID happened, you've got people who are pulling dollars from stuff or being forced up because of trying to just survive and make it work. But mm-hmm. you, again, are proof that if you trust what you're doing and you know it's what you're supposed to be doing, it will always work itself out. Yes, it will. So my follow up to all this goodness, though, is if you can go back to when you first started, what would you do differently? Yeah. So I would completely flip the lens of where I spent my energy. So... Mm. You know, for the nonprofit side, again, I didn't know much. So I was researching as much as I could understand about what the nonprofit sector does and how it works and what to do. And the thing I found most was grants. You're going to get your funding through grants, apply for grants. And it was this thing where, you know, I went to grant trainings. I was researching different 
foundations and companies. I spent all this time writing these grant proposals, sending them in and just getting rejection after rejection after rejection. And I kept doing the same thing over and over again, right? Like, let's just try, you know, you're not big enough. So do another year of efforts and then you'll get it next year, right? Grow your budget by 40,000 and you'll get it next year. And I was still getting no's. And it was one of those things where looking back, I spent so much time just in thinking about that one way of bringing in revenue I didn't think about a diversified revenue stream. Mm. So once I paused that and I said, okay, we're going to pause on this grant situation and we are going to think about building an organizational model that will allow us to bring in funding through multiple streams of revenue. It changed everything. So for example, now at the Plus Me Project, we bring in revenue through grants because foundations now fund us. We bring in revenue through our program service fees. So we do go into schools and do programs for free through one model. And then we also have our fee-for-service model for other programs that we do. Hmm. We bring in donations through individual donations, right? So we get individuals who give us funds on our website and at events. We have a journal now that we are able to sell on our website. So it's a 100-page personal narrative guide that we design that holds our curriculum that helps people write their stories. And that is now a stream of revenue for us. So really changing the mindset and not having to focus all of your efforts on one basket to bring in the the income that you feel you need to, to do the work have it come in through multiple streams. And had I done that a couple years earlier, I think it would have really changed not only the stress level and maybe that Bell's palsy situation, but it would have changed potentially, you know, the growth that we're in. But, I, you know, I believe, you know, we, we go through these experiences for a reason and I'm glad I learned that lesson. And now I just want to, you know, pay it back and, and share it with others. And I, I wasn't laughing at you because of the Bell's palsy, but it's like, <laughs> if I just would have done this a little bit different because I have had several moments and I was like, what in the hell were you thinking? <laughs> I wish I knew then. And I, so I just, yeah, but we don't know. We don't know. We don't. That's right. And so we can't be mad at that. But similarly, like, you know, when I started having had something again, more tangible to sell and not stress out, just yeah, all, all the things, Richard, all the things, all the things, man. Yes. Um, but we are getting to a point that I'm really enjoying this conversation with you. Like you like seriously the cousin, like for real, like where you been all my life. But just your energy is just, it's warming and it's, it's upbeat. And I just, I'm loving it. But then your authenticity, right. And transparency. So yeah. If you're listening to Richard and y'all need to speak up for your middle school kids, you hear it first, okay? We hear it. Like, you don't even question if he's good. You get it. But, so, yeah, so we're wrapping up, and I do want to ask the question that, I, I mean, I love to ask, and that is, what are the, the words of advice, the words of wisdom that you would leave us with? Yeah, you know, the best advice I want to leave you with is, you know, give yourself grace on this journey, but also continue to find who you are. And I say find because we evolve as humans, right? As teenagers to into early adulthood to as we're growing, you know, we don't always have to fit into this box of what we thought we were going to be, what others wanted us to be. So continue to find your authentic self. And the way you do that is by focusing on your journey, on your story, on self-reflecting and sharing it with other people. If you have not had the opportunity to share your life journey with someone else, give yourself the space to do that because you know we say at the plus me project if you don't share your story someone else is going to do it for you and they're probably going to get it wrong so (laughs) own it do it and be it and uh, i think it'll change not only your mindset but it'll change kind of how you lead forward in your journey Mm, yeah you are my friend (laughs) just gonna take that all in i i'm so grateful to have been able to share this journey this moment in time with you 
And it's been both, again, just exciting and healing as well, because like you said, people would tell your story wrong. And if somebody else would have told the story about your lung collapsing three times, I'm pretty sure they would have got that wrong. They would have made it a sad story, right? And you're like, no, this is me overcoming. But you are just an amazing person. To those of you who are listening, I know you felt that energy. And it doesn't take being in a person's presence, like physically to just like, yo, your energy is amazing. But I continue to wish you well in all that you are doing. And I want you to know that we over here at the First Gen Lounge and Evangeline Worldwide fully support you. So anytime you need us, don't hesitate to reach out. And to you who is listening, it's like, Richard should be my mentor or I need to connect with him. We're leaving his information in the show notes. So please go check out the full show notes to be able to connect with Richard. And Richard, like, just again, just thank you for just being so incredible and keep changing the world in only the way that you can do. Thank you for creating this platform and for doing the work that you're doing. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you. Until next time, friend.